Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. And then I was thinking about, um, this was years ago, when I was an um, intern at DC 101 and went to a promotional screening for What's Love Got To Do With It, um, which I was thinking about because of the Tina Turner documentary that's coming yeah. out. And that goes to, you know, the real Tina Turner comes out at the end and you see her performing. And everybody in that theater was practically a standing ovation when the real Tina Turner like came onto mm. the screen. People mm. were just so excited. I think I was at that screening and the guy behind me said about uh, Ike, what's wrong with him? <laughs> Good question. At the movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz begins now. Hello once again. I'm Lou Katz, and I want to welcome you to our podcast that does its darndest to keep you informed on the ever-changing world of entertainment. And here's how we do it. We start off by welcoming Jen Cheney from Vulture and WTOP Radio. Good morning, Jen. Bravo. And in the other corner, longtime entertainment reporter and looking a little lonely since we have no guest critic today. I guess nobody <laughs> wanted to, to, to volunteer their time. We're talking about Arch Campbell. <laughs> I'm happy to be here and always happy when when we can get Jen Cheney all to ourselves. So yeah. we have the uh, benefit of her brain and thinking. So uh, lots of stuff to talk about this week. And Jen, what are you uh, recommending this week? I'm going to recommend something. This is a movie that I discovered uh, in the last week. And I yeah. honestly don't remember it releasing here, but maybe it did. Um, so at Vulture this week, we're doing Character Actors Week where we mm -hmm. uh, do a bunch of different pieces about great character actors. We have published a list of the, I think it's 32 greatest character actors currently working. And one of the ones I wrote about was Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who everybody knows as Clay Davis on The Wire and mm -hmm. in The Five Bloods and you know a million roles that he has done. So he was in this movie called All Square. I don't know if you ever saw it, Arch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's set in Dundalk, Maryland was filmed in Dundalk, Maryland, uh -huh. came out in 2018. It's about a guy who uh, kind of inherits his dad's bookie betting, sports betting, uh, quote, business. Oh, wow. <laughs> and some of the, the betting that they're doing around, uh, you know, sort of traditional sports is starting to dry up. So he starts having people bet on little league games. You're going to take bets on kids' games? Tomorrow, Eagles, Spartans, who wins? Eagles, right here you're taking bets on kids games <sighs> who told you that man and it starts to get very ugly very quickly <laughs> but you know and and you're watching it and I, at least i was thinking okay this is going to be you know kind of like another bad news bear situation where you know the the drunk the horrible white guy is somebody that you're supposed to kind of relate to and 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 feel bad for and it kind of starts out that way, but it, it takes some turns that really um, are unexpected. And I, I just, I really, really enjoyed watching it. You can get it, you know, on demand on Amazon or, you know, anywhere that you choose what to. Are, you think it's um, local Maryland filmmakers? I don't know that the filmmakers were local. I, I'm not quite sure why they filmed in Maryland. Um, Michael Kelly plays the lead role from um, House of Cards, and he's really great yeah. in it. And there's, there's a, I mean, and it, you can tell right away that it's Maryland, not just because of the license plates, but it looks mm -hmm. like Maryland. Mm -hmm. There's a scene early on where someone's complaining that they bet on a, a Maryland basketball game and they won it and they lost at the last minute. I'm like, oh, that tracks. Um, so, uh, 
it just it just felt very Maryland, but it's also just a really um, a nice indie film. So yeah, occasionally you run into something that's got that vibe of The Wire or even Homicide. You know, there's kind of a little acting company that sprung up uh, around that. Okay, I'll look for All Square, I, and I'm I bet it's uh, four ninety five or five ninety five. Oh, it's I mean it was probably like yeah. three or four bucks. It wasn't a, it wasn't well, a lot. I'll look for it. Uh, I discovered something on HBO Max that I had missed on CNN, and that is that Tom Hanks production company put together a series on the movies. Uh, did you ever see any of those? Maybe. I don't remember when it originally came out, but that sounds really familiar. I think it went uh, through about 2018, but basically I think it's six series uh, first they do the classics then they do the 60s the 70s the 80s the 90s and the 2000s it is by no means deep it is very it's broad but uh but shallow but uh, a delicious fun because it includes just hundreds of clips of movies from all of those eras that you think oh Oh, I'd like to see that again. Like, like uh, Sophie's Choice came up, and uh, you know, we we gotta watch that again. So, uh, in the classics, they get to uh, film noir, epics, nineteen thirty nine, and the war films, and then in the sixties, they start with the epics, and then go into New Hollywood, and in the seventies, they go into the extension of New Hollywood and how movies became a director's medium until the blockbusters of Jaws and Star Wars, and then the 80s led to uh, romantic comedies, which we've lost, and uh, horror films and uh, sequels, and then into the 90s and the rise of uh, independent filmmakers plus uh, animation, and then the 2000s, which uh, they identify as a decade of tent poles and diversity and now it left me wondering what would, what would the trend be that they would identify now and anyway i just it's one of those things that you can just it's like eating peanuts you mm -hmm. just watch and watch and watch oh look at this look at that so it's uh the movies uh produced by tom hanks and that group and, and you know they did the decades they've done comedy they did they did all of these kind of series i'm sure for cnn and on hbo max you can see them uh, without commercials so that's that's my find for the week what is new in your world boy let's see well this isn't new exactly but i think it's new to on demand the movie the father which we've talked mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. um yeah. it's been out in theaters but now it's going to be more accessible for people who are not comfortable going to theaters. This is the film with uh, Anthony Hopkins, who right. plays a man with dementia, and Olivia Coleman plays his daughter. And it really kind of plays with your sense of time and place uh, mm -hmm. in a way that puts you inside the head of Anthony Hopkins' character. And I thought it was just very, very well done. The storytelling is just fabulous in The Father. And any other year we would be uh, talking about, I mean, he is, he's nominated for an Oscar and I think so is uh, Olivia Coleman. Right. And uh, I hope it finds an audience. I don't know how movies like that find an audience, but it's awfully, awfully strong. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. And then this Saturday, um, HBO debuts the Tina Turner documentary, which I may have mentioned before, called Tina, which is really it's it's a you know two hour look at at her life, but really a broader look at her life. And obviously, the beginning of it is is all about her and Ike and that volatile, horrible, abusive relationship that she was in. But the latter half of it is about what happened after and how she built herself uh, her own career and eventually found a very happy marriage that she and a partnership that she's been in for a long time. I'm a girl from a cotton field that put myself above the destruction and the mistakes. And I'm here for you. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. Tina Turner is so great that I wish there was stuff that they had talked about more. Uh -huh. Wish there were songs that they had included that they hadn't, but you know, right. it's still a very, very good documentary. When something it. leaves you wanting more, that's that's what you want. Not that's right. No, not and more. in fact, it, it is framed at the end as a goodbye from her to, you know, she, her, her yeah. husband says like, this documentary and the play, which the the musical about Tina Turner opened at the end of 2019 and had to shut down like four months later because of the mm. pandemic on Broadway, but um. He said, you know, this and, and the play, or this is kind of it. That, this is her saying goodbye to her fans. And she was just nominated for the first time as a solo artist to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So she actually gets uh, inducted. I don't know, you know, what that means, but, mm -hmm. but it does feel like she's kind of more, even more fully retreating from public life after this. Yeah, HBO has really uh, kind of found a spot as a, a venue for documentaries spread out over. Is this one week or is it? Uh, is it, you it's say just it's a single one, film. Two hour. Yeah, it's a two hour movie. Yep. Mm, yeah. It could have done I, a, a week on her easily. Uh huh. If you can do, a, you know, several episodes of a McDonald's Monopoly scam, you can do several episodes on <laughs> Tina Turner, but they just happen to do. <laughs> two hours. While we're on the topic of Tina Turner, she came by the uh, Q107, Mix 107.3 studios when I was uh -huh. working there with Jack Diamond back in the 90s. Yeah. And, yeah, and look, you guys, uh -oh. have met, you guys have met a million stars over yeah. the years. And you know how some of them are just standoffish and they don't want to talk. She was so, so friendly, taking pictures, mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. autographs, and, and, uh, and of course, the legs. And she had, she was displaying her legs, yes, for her, for her radio station tour. Just a little, just a little insight into Tina I wanted to share. How old is Tina Turner now? She's 81. Wow. And, the, you know, this is something the documentary doesn't talk about, although it kind of alludes to it, it you know, is that she's had some health problems in, the, in recent years. And in fact, had a, a kidney transplant a few years ago, and mm. her husband was the donor of the kidney. Um, which is fascinating, and they don't talk about that at all. Um, I think because they mm. just didn't want to talk about, you know, whatever her health issues might be. You know, I know HBO started their documentary on QAnon mm -hmm. uh, last Sunday, and I was unable to to make myself watch it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did, what have I missed? So this is six episodes, and they and they're airing them uh, in pairs. So it's like two every week. I have watched the whole thing, and I had similar feelings to you at first, where I was like, "Oi, how much yeah. of this can I tolerate?" <laughs> what I think the documentary does a good job of doing is connecting some dots for people who maybe didn't understand this, just the way that this 
developed from 4chan and 8chan, these two platforms, and even like drawing direct lines back to Gamergate, which is something that people dismissed in terms of, I don't know if you're familiar with Gamergate or you can or remember what that was, but that was really a movement online to silence women and female journalists who are writing about gaming and, and uh, kind of misogyny within video gaming. Um, and it got very, very ugly. And because it was a video game thing, people sort of thought, well, that's you know, that's over here. It's not a big deal. But, but that kind of the spirit in that kind of ultimately filtered into the mainstream through QAnon, among other things. And really what the, the documentary sets out to do is to figure out who Q is. And I was very, I thought that was a gimmick. I was kind of skeptical about that. But by the end, mm -hmm. they, they really present a very strong case for who it might be. And I'm not going to, you can look online and find this out pretty quickly. I'm not going to reveal it here just for the sake of spoilers. But what I will say is that these people that are involved in this are A, dangerous, and B, complete morons at the same time. Like just the worst, stupid, misogynistic, wow. juvenile men that don't seem to understand that the, the, the magnitude of what they're doing or don't care. Mm -hmm. So it, it is an interesting documentary, but I understand why it's hard for people to watch it. Is it getting much uh, response? Are you hearing much back? I mean... It, it's been out for a week, right? The yeah, I mean, those first two episodes are the only ones that have aired so far. It's generated a little bit of press because um, people have just kind of ignored uh -huh. the fact that it's a spoiler and said, hey, guess what? They say who Q is. I don't know. I, I, again, I don't know how many people have, have actually watched it and how many people have the same feeling that you do and they just don't want to sit with that for such a long period of time. You know, there was a fascinating story in the Washington Post uh, that took a lot of time and research on uh, the guy who came up from Salisbury, North Carolina, and uh, burst into the Comet Pizza on uh, mm -hmm. Nebraska and Connecticut, and how he was influenced and uh, how his life is going now. I recommend anybody, if they're really interested, if you really want to do a deep dive, read that piece. I mean, and they certainly talk about Comet Ping Pong in the documentary as well. They mm -hmm. don't talk about, you know, him in such detail, but that's all part of this too. And I just, every time I think about that, I just get so infuriated because I love that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're yeah. not doing anything bad. In fact, it's a very family oriented restaurant. They don't have a basement. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. We took a long walk and walked by there the other day. And just, it's, it's amazing. So here's a, a subject to uh, rile Jen Cheney up. Oh. I, I suppose. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what this is going to be. The, it's the latest list of awards, uh, but it's the Writers Guild Award. Sasha Baron Cohen was improvised and scripted by nine writers, but won uh, the Writers Guild top honors for best adapted screenplay. The best original screenplay went to Promising Young Woman, another film I hope finds an audience because it's one of those great new style horror films where the horror uh, involves society. Uh, best documentary is The, uh, the Dissident, which I haven't seen. And uh, on the television side, the uh, accolades went to Ted Lasso again, which mm -hmm. you got onto early. The Crown, The Great for episodic comedy, and Ozark for episodic drama. So, 
kind of sounds like the usual suspects to me. Yeah, although I will say it, it's a little surprising that Borat won, given the field and, and the fact, as you said, that it's a lot of it's impro improvised. In the Tom Hanks series, especially, uh, they uh, talk extensively to um, the, uh, was is, is it Larry Charles? Mm-hmm is uh, the producer behind uh, Borat and the sequel. Right. And uh, they they speak to him extensively. And he talks about the exhilaration that would occur to them after they would get away with some of the things they uh, pulled, that uh, the filming only captured some of what was going on. Uh, it's mm -hmm. kind of interesting. What other awards have we got to look forward to? Or are uh, we looking? Are we looking <laughs> forward? Are we looking forward? Uh, as we're recording this, a big one is going to be happening today, later uh -huh. today, which is the Producers Guilds um, of America Awards. Um, that is often looked to more than anything as the kind of harbinger of what's going to win the Academy Award. Um, so we'll see what comes out of that. And then we've got, you know, just a whole nother month to wait until they decide to give out the Oscars. <laughs> April 25th. I, I uh, was looking, I think it's more than a month. Well, yeah, it yeah. was exactly a month. It's like five more weeks. Uh, Disney announced that pretty much they're in the uh, releasing to theaters and on Disney Plus the same day business. Uh, what do you think? Well, yes and no. I mean, they, they announced that they were doing that with Black Widow and I think Cruella and maybe one other film. I don't have it in front of me. Um, and then they pushed back some dates again for some other films, including Death on the Nile, which I may not live to see Death on the Nile at this point because they keep pushing it back. It's now not coming out until 2022. Um, the, the more, I mean, for me, I was- Hey, you're like, the youngest person on this podcast, so watch it, will you? Look, we could all go at any time. <laughs> uh, the thing that I was actually more interested in was some of the TV aspects of their announcements, including the fact that the second season of the other two is finally going to come out later this year. I don't know if you ever watched that show. It came out in the first half of 2019, which was roughly 85 years ago. So I understand if you don't remember, but it was this really funny comedy about um, kind of two adults uh, who are one of them is trying to be or actually maybe both of them are trying to be actors. And their their younger, much younger brother is sort of like a Justin Bieber phenomenon who becomes this young singer that is a very big deal. Uh, and they're trying to, trying to cope with him being very famous and the fact that they're still struggling. It's very funny. And I'm glad that we're gonna finally see more of that. But um, in terms of the movie stuff, like, I don't know. I just, I feel like we've heard these announcements so many times and I'm kind of numb to it at this point. Well, there you are. Lewis, what's going on with Hound Radio? Well, we have a weekly feature on real estate from local broker Karen Parness. And let's see what she's thinking about today. Hound Radio has another home real estate tip for you. Mortgage rates have increased in six of the last eight weeks, climbing to above 3.09% to its highest level since September of 2020. Rising rates is not entirely bad news in this market. Considering that this time last year, rates were around four and a quarter, they're still currently at historical lows. The actual impact of rising mortgage rates is more psychological than financial. If you consider taking a median priced existing home worth $308,000 with a 10% down payment, 
a jump in mortgage rates to 4% would only increase the monthly payment by $117. But still, as a result of these increases, we are seeing overall refinance activity as well as new mortgage applications fall. With more people being vaccinated and the cost of refinancing growing, the hope is that sellers will consider listing their homes and moving forward with their plans. And if rates do cause buyers to stall, this will reduce buyer competition and hopefully reduce the pace of home appreciation. I'm Karen Parness for Hound Radio. At the Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. Oh, I need to say something. I was reading, you know, we all love the Arlington Cinema Draft House. And it is, as it turns out, still operating. There was a comment last week that it might be closing, but they, Arlington Draft House had a comedy club in D.C., and uh, that is what has permanently closed. But uh, they're still in business out in Arlington, and I hope they uh, get back to showing movies again because uh, I sure enjoyed the Arlington uh, Draft House. And having said that, shall we have Jen throw us this week's curve in flashbacks and favorites? Well, this is going to be a real curve because it's not a question in the typical mode in the sense that, you know, it's it's now been a little over a year since life shut down. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to take a minute and just genuinely ask how everyone is doing and feeling. Uh, I... <laughs> That sums it up. No, you're good. It's <laughs> my Lou. You how no, no, no. Don't don't toss it to me, Arch. <laughs> you, no, no, you get I was to joking. go first. Uh, I am a little bit sad every now and then because I do miss uh, going to movie theaters, and I'm interested in what the world will be like on the other side of this, and and I do firmly believe that it's not going to be the same. It's certainly not going to snap back exactly the way things were. So I just wonder what the movie-going experience was. And it could be because I watched that Tom Hanks uh, series, and I flashed back to... I, I always thought that a movie you loved had as much to do with what else was going on in your life and who you were with and where you saw it as it did with the movies. And uh, I I thought back about all the places I had been and seen various pictures, things going on. So that's kind of a circular answer. How are you feeling? You know, on one hand, I'm I'm feeling a little more hopeful just because, Mm -hmm. you know, now that we have some actual benchmarks for when more people are going to be getting vaccinated, and it seems like there's been more progress in that regard and, and our numbers have, have started to go down a little bit in terms of how many infections we're seeing. But at the same time, it just feels like I'm, I'm in Maryland. It's just taking, it feels like it's taking forever for uh-huh. us to get these vaccinations out. And I think, yeah. I feel it, especially in Montgomery County, where I think we're the largest jurisdiction in the state. And we're just now finally getting around to opening like a, a big kind of site where people can go. Um, in Germantown, it hasn't happened yet to get vaccinated. And I just feel like we, I don't know, it just feels like it's just taking an awfully long time, even though it's relatively speaking to to any other vaccination, this is quite fast. But it, it, it starts to get hard when you see other people, especially in other states, 
getting vaccinated and you're still like, when is it happening for us? So in Texas, where I have a lot of roots and uh, which is certainly not the poster child for the great state to live in. No, no, it is not. <laughs> but they are declaring Monday that every adult is eligible for a vaccine. And uh, and that, you know, that's hopeful to me. I read an article that the thing about the vaccine is the amount of uh, work you have to do to get an appointment. Right. Can't just uh, show up somewhere. You got to be uh, internet savvy and and it's not an easy thing. No, it isn't. <laughs> Lou, everybody in your house uh, vaccinated? Uh, yeah, I, I'm fully vaccinated. My wife, Wendy, is halfway there. The thing that, that concerns me is the stats that you see on TV and you uh, read in the papers and so forth about the number of people who are just flat out not going to get the vaccine. Yeah, I don't understand. And and then it, then they even break it out to, you know, political party. And, and I'm not going to go there. But I mean, we have to reach this like herd immunity kind of thing. But if only 70 percent of the country gets it. When all is said and done, are we really there? Yeah, I think I read they need 80%. Right. Yeah, something I, I would recommend um, if you're interested, uh, Ezra Klein, who used to work at Vox and is now at the New York mm -hmm. Times, he did a podcast this week with a doctor whose name, of course, I cannot remember right now, but it right. was really looking at all of this stuff from a more hopeful perspective and talking through like, okay, if this many people are vaccinated, what does it mean? And what are the, what are the risks? And and there's still some cautionary stuff in there for sure. Like uh, toward the end of the podcast, he talks about like globally the situation and how especially impoverished, impoverished nations are just not getting vaccinated at all. And the ramifications certainly for those people, but also the, the impact that could eventually have on everybody else. But at least within the United States, you start to, you listen to it and you're like, okay, as you said, Arch, like life is not going to be totally exactly as it was, but by the fall, you can see it maybe being kind of close to being yeah. what it was you know i just think when you're able to talk about those things and 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 kind of put a time frame around them i think it, it helps people feel like okay i have something specific to work toward hopefully anyway so i think the answer to our question is we have hope a little bit <laughs> a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anything else to talk about this week? How's the pipeline? You know, March has been a little bit slower than usual, but April's going to be right back in it. Like, I, I think this is going to be like a very, very brief dip. And, and then it's going to be right back to what it was in terms of okay. there being a lot of stuff. Good. Looking forward to that. Lewis, shall you wrap things up for us? Are you guys aware of the uh, Library of Congress's National Recording Registry? Yeah. They, they created this back in 2000 and basically put it together so that they could always have uh, historic records of songs that were culturally and aesthetically significant. Uh, they just released the latest 25 recordings uh, today that have come out of 900 nominations. Apparently the public can nominate any song that they think should go into the National They've got one with Red. Edison, don't they? I, I think they do. Today's uh, honorees are Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, 1814, Kermit the Frog's The Rainbow Connection. Mar <laughs> one of your favorites, Jen. Uh, Marlo, <laughs> Thomas, Marlo Thomas and Friends, Free to Be You and Me. Oh, that's another great one. And then I thought I would uh, wrap up the uh, podcast today because I know Arch has a has a great love for old classic songs, 
And Louis Armstrong's 1938 rendition of When the Saints Go Marching In was one of the 25 that made it into the National Library of Congress's National Recording Registry. So we salute all of the uh, the nominees, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Sisters and brothers, this is Reverend Satchmo getting ready to beat out this mellow sermon for you. My text this evening, When the Saints Go Marching In. Here come Brother Hickenbottom down the aisle with his trombone. Blow it, boy. Podcasting System.